Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke. Book of Luke. You can turn to uh, Luke chapter 22. While you're returning there, just want to uh, invite you back to Sunday. Sunday is our uh, graduate recognition here. So we had baby dedication last week. We will have uh, graduating seniors will be recognized on Sunday and um, looking forward to, to that. And tonight's uh, message is, is um, it's important. It's, it's a very familiar topic of forgiveness, and we're looking in the life of Peter. And if you, if you look at the life of Peter, you realize why it's called twists and turns. There's a lot of roller coaster ups and downs with his life, and I think a lot of us can see ourselves in his life. Uh, but just to review, our first lesson was on the holiness of God and Jesus Christ. His character is entirely unique. He's entirely, is entirely separate from creation. Uh, and then Greg led us through our second lesson, which is Jesus is trustworthy. And so while God is holy and unique and separate from creation, he is involved in creation. And as God loves, he is the model of, consistent, model of consistency regardless of circumstance. And so tonight's lesson is on forgiveness. It focuses on the forgiveness of God and Jesus. And I asked the question to us all, why, why do we believe that we need forgiveness of God? Why do we believe that, that as human beings, we are accountable to God, we need his grace and mercy and forgiveness? Where do we get the idea that he is holy and that we are not, and that we are separate from him because we're not holy? Where does that come from? I would suggest to you that it begins with our experience. We experience God's creation, and to know very quickly that everything is not okay here, Right? Uh, when we experience pain and distress and brokenness, and some of you have experienced all of those in this one day, uh, that you've experienced a really tough day today. You know very quickly early on that on Wednesday here in May that it's, this is a broken world that we live in. Maybe that's why you're here tonight. You're in the sanctuary to be in front of God's Word for that reason. But when you think about our experience, and there's a great sense of in our heart that this is not how it should be. And we understand in this life that there's a separation from God who must be all-powerful. He must be all-perfect because he is God. And creation that is lacking uh, when it comes to perfection is here in this world. But our experience is not enough because God reveals himself. So our experience only confirms what God's word has to say about sin and what God's word has to say about our condition and our accountability to God. If you look back in Genesis, there was original sin in the Garden of Eden. Man had disobeyed and doubted God, and the world was a paradise up until that point. It was perfect fellowship with God, but it became a very different place. And what was perfect became imperfect, and what was close fellowship, walking with God fellowship in the garden, resulted in separation after doubt and disbelief and disobedience. And so not only do we feel the broken effects of the world, and, and truly, if I, I looked at this today, put it to the test, take out your phone, bring up your favorite news source, and just pull out of the headlines, one after the other, of what you see that gives you evidence of the world that we live in being broken before God, a holy God. And, and I did this, and so here's what the highlights were. Battery, depravity, confusion, deception, war, and abuse. That's just rolling them one after the other, right? 
And, and when we look at that, we know when we look into the world, we realize and understand that this world is broken. It is separate from who God and his perfection must be. But we also know in our own personal battle with sin that, that we personally are distant from a holy God. Because it doesn't take too long for us to, to get to the end result of doubt and lust and worry and gluttony and idolatry and selfishness and gossip and selfish ambition. And we measure ourselves against the standard of a holy and loving and living God who created us for fellowship. And we know that in order to be right with that God, knowing who we are, there must be a restoration and to close the gap. So, we have our experience and we have the Word of God, which is the specific revelation of God, and then God himself, through the Spirit of God, confirms what our experience is, confirms the truth of God's Word. God's Spirit reveals to our heart, to the inside of every person, who we are and who we are not. The Scripture says in John chapter 16 that the Spirit of God convicts man of his sin convicts us of the righteousness of God and the judgment of God that is coming. So God's Spirit together with God's Word confirms our experience that who we are is not who God is, and we will never measure up unless God does something for us. Amen? Let me just pray for us here as we lean into the Scripture tonight. Lord, we are here to hear from you. God, we need your Word. We pray, God, that as your Spirit guides us into all truth, that we simply and seriously would yield to you, O oh Lord. That we would give way to everything that you bring up in our heart and life. Lord, if there's something we need to do differently, if there's a way that we need to think about ourselves differently, if we just need to see you differently, Lord, that you would make it so tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Our experience, again, confirms God's word. God's spirit works together with God's word to lead each of us to know and understand we are in need of forgiveness. Y'all, but here's something I've discovered. I believe that most people are aware of the concept that God forgives, yet they still have a hard time sometimes of believing that God would forgive them. Like they know that God is forgiving. If you ask, if you ask any one of us, and even outside these walls tonight, just stop people in the parking lot and said, what do you believe about God? What do you think the characteristics of God are? I think many of those would talk about God's love and even that God is a forgiving God. But if you ask them if they deserved forgiveness or how can you be forgiven, I think many people would doubt that God would forgive them based on who they are and what they've done. And I would imagine that many of us in here have experienced that same feeling. Now, sin makes you feel unsaved, even if you are. That's how dangerous sin is. It makes you look unsaved. It makes you feel unsaved. It, it's used by the enemy towards our own deception to believe that God has not really forgiven us or that he does not love us based on what we've done and what we will do and what we have done. And tonight's study shows Jesus forgiving Peter, forgiving Peter's future, which will blow your mind, Forgiveness of Peter's present and forgiveness of his past and the sin in his past. And first of all, let's look there in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. And I'll set this up. Jesus forgives future sins. And think with me again, because those who have children that will be going through vacation Bible school, going through this best week ever, this will be one of their lessons. And when they come to you and ask you about what this means later on, we'll have already studied it, right? 
Jesus forgives future sins. Jesus had just shared the Lord's Supper with his disciples, and he was telling them at the table what was about to happen. He was telling them that suffering is coming, that you're about to start waiting on the kingdom of God to to get here and be realized. He was telling them that his death was imminent. It was about to happen and happen very soon. Jesus also taught at that last supper the greatness of service. Keep that in mind as we get towards the end. And then he addresses Peter, and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. And because he was speaking to Peter, who was kind of the leader of the group, he was speaking to all of them, but specifically to Peter. And he says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, Peter, that your faith should not fail. Now watch this next verse. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail, but if there's in parentheses there it would be, but I'm predicting that it will. And so he preemptively says, so when you have repented, turn to me again and strengthen your brothers. Y'all, let me make this real plain. If you think that you're out, this verse right here should speak differently to you. Another word of truth that you've not discovered. He goes on and tells Peter, who he knows is about to deny him three times. He says to him, when you've repented and turned to me again, then strengthen your brothers. He uses family language. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you, even die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. The sin at hand here is denial, meaning that He would not acknowledge his belief. He would not acknowledge his devotion or connection to Jesus in front of others out of fear for his own life. It became about self-preservation for him. And a denial, the kind of sin that denial is, is a lie. You are refusing to admit the truth. And, And get this, Jesus is addressing a personal sin in Peter's life before he even has it. He's addressing his sin before he's even committed that sin. Parents, have you ever told your children, if you get to the place where you've messed up and you need a way out, you can always come home? Have you ever told them that if you get to this place where you've made a terrible decision and you don't know what to do, you call me. You call your mom and daddy. Have you ever told them that? You can come home. Why do we do that? Because while we are not God and while we do not know the future specifically like God, We do know the reality of growing up, and we do know the temptation of giving in. So we proactively plan, and I would even say we predict for the low moments in our children's life who belong to us. We plan ahead for that and say things like that, not that we know you're going to sin by denying us before a rooster crows three times because we're not privy to that specific information in our limitations. But we know what it's like in the road that they are going to walk. Jesus, who is the living God, is all-knowing. And certainly he knew that Peter would deny him. He could have denied Peter in that moment. As he is at this table with all the disciples, knowing what's coming, he could have said, Peter, I already know what you're about to do. You can go ahead and dismiss yourself from the table. Could have denied him. He could have planned for his discipline. He said, after a season of intense pain that I'm going to bring on to you as the living God, but he didn't. He could have asked him to leave and all these things. Instead, he spoke humility to him 
warning to him and offered him a promise of future restoration. Verse 32, again, look at it quickly. When you have turned from the sin of denial and turned to me again, when you have repented of this sin of denial and turned to me once again, help your brothers. You have got to see the heart of God in this passage. Maybe for the first time that you've ever seen it this way. Sure, when our sin is like a fresh wound, and, and what we should never do is take God's grace for granted when we leave here, right? When we have sin in our life, and that sin is like a fresh wound, there should be pain and regret. There should be shame in our heart. The Scripture says in James 4, 9, let there be tears and sorrow and deep grief for when we are divided between belief and doubt and loyalty and unfaithfulness. You ought to feel bad when you've got sin. And the Spirit of God will take care of that. Amen? But there must also be a realization that we are not under the threat of constant disqualification if we are in Christ. If we are under the lordship of Jesus, if we are in a right relationship with God, we are no longer under a constant threat of being kicked out of the kingdom. Listen to this. It's on the, it's on the screen. God's love has already factored in our sin before that sin is carried out. Did y'all hear that? Y'all didn't even hear it. God's love has already factored in our sin before it's carried out. And because it has, his love is what is to be remembered even more than our sin. Dwell on his love more than you even dwell on your past. And God is, is all-knowing, so he must know what is there before we do. Yet, he warns us against it and leaves room for restoration and ministry even after. Now, let's take it a little bit deeper tonight. What I just said when we say that God is all-knowing and knows our sin before we do, yet he warns us before it gets there, the opportunity gets there. And he, he also provides restoration for it afterwards. What we're speaking of in that conversation is both the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And those two things are not in conflict with each other. God has made provision. Now, this is, again, this, these are the things that blow your mind. God has made provision for all, but he has guaranteed salvation for some, leaving us with a choice but guaranteeing his plan. That's deep, I know. And one of those things that we try to interlock the mystery of how of all of that looks but we're telling you what's in the Scripture is that God's heart is to save you. God's work has been provided for you. God's mind knows that if you will repent and believe or if you will remain and reject. Have you sinned? We all have sinned. Have you acknowledged that sin and called on Jesus to save you? Have you, have you asked Jesus to be Lord over your life? You see, we, have the, uh, we understand the provision that God has given us, and we know that he knows whether or not we will receive that provision that is the sovereignty of God. Yet the Scripture tells us to turn from sin and turn to God, tells us to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, to confess our sins, to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. This is the responsibility of man. God has determined the events of history, and at the same time, we are moral agents with the freedoms to make choices. Jesus knew, listen to this part, Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, and he also knew that Peter would deny him. 
Yet he called one of them, if you look back in the scripture, he called one of them the man who will betray me. And another one, he said, strengthen your brothers. One of those in the language is on the outside. One of those is on the inside. The man who will betray me remained and rejected. The one who is to strengthen his brothers has acknowledged sin, confessed sin, believed, and followed the Lord Jesus as his Savior and Lord. The Scripture says, For all who believe and accept him, they are the children of God. And again, the other remained within himself, rejecting Jesus, leaving him separated. God knew both, and his purposes move through our choices without lessening his sovereignty and without championing our responsibility. And what is to be remembered in this is that you don't have to wonder which one you will be. You don't have to wonder if you will be on the inside or the outside, if you will turn from yourself and turn to God by faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no wondering about it anymore after that. You have lived and believed in Jesus, therefore you are a child of God. The Scripture says in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. Drink freely from the water of life. Jesus forgives future sins. Now, secondly, Jesus forgives present sins. If you look at Luke twenty-two fifty-four through 62, as the night moved on, Jesus was betrayed. He was arrested. Peter followed to see what would happen. The Scripture says in just a moment, he, he followed at a distance to watch all that was about to happen that Jesus said would happen. Look at verse 54. So they arrested him and they led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. And the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I, I'm not, Peter retorted. And about an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, can you imagine this? As Peter, wherever he is, has got some sort of sight into the Jesus that has been beaten and ridiculed. At that moment when the rooster crows, the scripture says, the Lord looked up at Peter. And suddenly, the Bible says the words of the Lord flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter, the Bible says, left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Have you ever said to yourself, if that ever happens, I already know what I'm going to do. We love to talk a big game like that, don't we? I tell you what, if I ever see the president, he's going to know real quick. Like we say stuff like that a lot. If, he ever, if I ever get in front of him. Yes, yeah, scenarios make it easy to talk about, but real situations make it difficult to be about. I can tell you from my own conviction experience, it is easier to preach up here than to live it out there. It's easier to preach strong than to live strong. Peter was no longer in the safety of an upper room. You know, he was saying all these things about, I'm ready to be arrested for you and die for you. Well, he was saying that in the comfort of folks that agreed. 
that were with him. He was in the courtyard amongst guards and crowds ready to crucify Jesus next. And that's when all of that confidence began to turn down on the volume handle a little. He had the opportunity there to obey, but he did just as Jesus said that he would do, and he denied him three times. Y'all listen to this. One commentary said this, in a period of slightly over an hour, Peter denied three years of discipleship. I believe what you think about Peter in this moment, I wonder what you think about Peter in this moment, honestly. What in your heart do you think about Peter in this moment as he has pledged his devotion to Jesus? He's in the courtyard. He's amongst the people. He could rally a crowd, I guess. And I wonder what you believe or what you think about Peter in this moment because what you think about Peter in this moment reveals a lot about what you think about yourself. If you think, what a punk, man. Peter, put your money where your mouth is, dude. Man, that speaks very highly of us, doesn't it? We would never do that. We would never deny Christ like that. If you, if you, it's likely that you need to lower yourself and remember the times that you sing praises on Monday and cut somebody out on Monday. You sing praises on Sunday and cut somebody on Monday, right? Like this reveals our own heart about what we think about Peter. And let's be honest, we hope that we would not repeat history as we see it in the Scripture, but we have missed the mark in our own mind and heart enough times to humble us and for us to recognize our need for God. Peter was in that spot in verse 62, and the Bible says he realized his sin and he wept bitterly. Jesus knows our every weakness. Y'all remember that line of that old hymn, Take It to the Lord in Prayer? Jesus knows our every weakness. He knows the weaknesses that we have in our mind right now as we hear the word, if our mind is on it or off it. He knows exactly what happened today in our life. If there was pride there, he knows in our eyes and in our minds if we've wandered across the lines. He knows if our mouth has got away from us. He knows if we've been critical, if we've been complaining, if we've cussed somebody out. He knows if our heart is doubted. He knows if we've worried to the point of fear. He knows on the inside of our heart if there's idolatry there. Jesus knows if our hands took from someone today. He knows if our hands have hurt someone today. He knows if our heart, if our, if our feet have left when they should have stayed and stood. He is close enough to us, just like Peter is. The Spirit of God is within those who believe to look into our eyes down to our heart so that we will know if we have violated his standard. Jesus knows our every weakness. He knows the weaknesses we bring today. And sometimes we learn from what Jesus didn't do. In his resolve and his restraint, Jesus did not look up at Peter from that place of suffering, and he did not shake his head like, are you serious? We're not told this. We don't know exactly what happened, but I would imagine knowing the heart of our Savior that he did not roll his eyes. Can you imagine the rooster crowing, Peter catching the face of Jesus, Jesus looking back at him going. Or say something like, really? Like, really, Peter? Where are you going now, crybaby? Like, do you think Jesus said, like, again, sometimes we learn from what Jesus didn't do. I should remind you, Jesus went to the cross after this happened. After it happened, he still went to the cross, knowing the sin of those closest to him and those who believed and the sin of those furthest away and that would reject him. He still went to the cross. Notice Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us 
while we were still sinners. When we are at our worst, Christ is at his best. And can I tell you this? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 33, but everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Man, when I started thinking about that today, I thought to myself, did Peter not deny Jesus here on earth? I mean, my goodness, if anybody did, he did, right? I mean, that would be the example that we would go to. At the end of, but at the end of John chapter 21, knowing that Peter had denied Jesus on earth, at the end of John chapter 21, Peter is invited by the same Jesus to follow him, to serve his church. And from my perspective, when I think about the life of, of the apostle Peter, I don't think denial. I don't think about the rooster crowing three times. I think about a life of faithfulness. If you look forward to his future, Peter did what? He preached the gospel. He healed people in Jesus' name. He stood before a religious council when confronted by the high priest and said, we're going to obey God rather than you. Like, I remember the, the future of Peter rather than the past. And the God of our ancestors, the scripture goes on to say, raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Jesus was a bold witness, repentant of heart, forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, his sins had been forgiven. He forgives our sins that are ongoing. So whatever happened in our life this day, there may be consequence because even forgiven sin has consequence, amen? But there can definitely be pardon because Jesus gave his best knowing when we would be at our worst. The scripture says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And finally, Jesus forgives past sins. He forgives future sins present sins, past sins. John chapter 21, if you'll turn in your Bibles there, one book over, at the end of the book of John, John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. Now, for the sake of time and not reading the entire chapter, I'll just kind of talk you through the highlights. Goodness, we can preach on this chapter for a long time. It's, it's so good. But after Jesus had died and risen from the grave, or risen, yes, risen back to life from the grave, Peter had returned to his previous profession of fishing. And they had seen Jesus in a couple of different instances, the scripture says there, and seen him on actually many different occasions and miraculous signs that are not included in this book, the Bible says in John chapter 20. But they had returned, so to speak, to their, their normal life. And, and several disciples had decided to go with Peter to fish. And on this occasion in John chapter 21, they hadn't caught anything all night. Which we've seen that before, right? So Jesus on the shore, and they can't exactly see him from the shore as, as if it was happening all night, early morning, because it's going to talk about breakfast in a minute. They can't exactly see who's on the shoreline and know that it's Jesus. And so Jesus yells out to them and says, try the other side. Cast your nets on the other side. And so they can't yet tell it's him, but they oblige the approach anyway. They're like, well, we hadn't caught anything over here. Throw that thing on the other side. So they do. And the Bible says that they caught so many fish that they could not even haul it in. And then they realize Jesus was the one on the shore 
and that it was his voice that had given the truth about where the fish were. Now, look at these next two things here in John chapter 21. The Bible says in chapter 21, verse 7, Then the disciple Jesus loved John said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, and he jumped into the water and headed to the shore. He jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore. I, I have read in, in different sermons in the past, we're, we're not talking like from here to the door. We're talking like 100 yards out, right? Like we, we've, we've seen Jesus. Listen, if you're thinking what does repentance look like, it looks like that. That's what it looks like. It, it looks like a desire to move you closer to wherever Jesus is, away from wherever you are. You're not worried about time. You're not worried about comfort. You're not worried about difficulty. Wherever you are, you acknowledge your need for God. You go to him, towards him, with your life. That's what repentance looks like. And when Peter got to the shore, gosh, I love this so much. When Peter got to the shore, Jesus had breakfast waiting on him. He had fish cooking over charcoal, and he was serving them bread. If, if jumping in the water and swimming to the shore is what repentance looks like, breakfast in the morning after memories of sin is what grace looks like. This is unmerited favor. A few chapters before, Peter was denying Christ, and now Jesus has not just made breakfast, the Bible says that he was serving it to them. Can you imagine all of the claims of Jesus? You've seen him die on the cross, and now you know he is risen from the grave? And, and he knows all of the sin and the distance and the doubt, and then he's making you breakfast. He's serving breakfast, unmerited favor. Know the heart of God and who he is tonight, Amen. But Jesus did not let Peter off the hook. Because again, we're talking about forgiveness of sins and forgiveness of past sins because he challenged his devotion. You'll see that. He challenged his devotion. Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? Right, representing the, the, the three times of denial, he is affirming his devotion three times before sending him into the gospel service, mind you. To the point that Peter, the Bible says, it hurt his feelings. And this is what he said. He said, Lord, you know everything. And I love this part. You know that I love you. He didn't question whether or not he loved him. Did you see that? Peter said, Lord, you know everything. And you know that I love you. Now, that does not dismiss what he had done. But it is very much confirmation of what is in his heart. He is convinced that Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings and that he is his personal Savior and that his life belongs to him and he loves the Lord. He said, you know that. Jesus knows it all. <laughs> he, he knew that Peter would deny him and he knew that he pursued him with, with his grace, right? He, he knew that Peter would deny him and even still, he pursued him with his grace. And Jesus commissioned this same guy who denied him in his hour of need. He commissioned him to build his church. And listen to this part. Knowing, of course, and you think forward to Galatians now. Jesus commissioned Peter 
for gospel service to his church, and he knew in Galatians chapter 2 that the apostle Paul would hit him in the face with hypocrisy. You're sitting down with these folks over here. As we said on Sunday, there are no social distinctions in the gospel. There are no class distinctions in the gospel. And Paul was like, let me tell you something, Peter, and hold you accountable, brother. You're guilty of hypocrisy as you are leading part of God's people away from the other part. Jesus commissioned him to service already knowing what would happen in Galatians. Jesus, listen, Jesus did not die for you so that you could be perfect. He died for you because you're not. If this should lead any part of you to take his grace for granted, you're in the wrong. No other way to say it. This should lead any part of us to take God's grace for granted and go willfully into sin. We are in the wrong. But none of this should also cause us to think that we are disqualified if we are dealing with sin in our life. You'd rather be struggling than dying. You'd rather be fighting than yielding and giving way to it. Again, let me say this one more time. None of this should cause you to think that you are disqualified if you're dealing with sin in your life. Now, I'll always make this point because this point was made to me and it helped unlock my eyes and heart to what's going on. Jesus did not just die to, for your forgiveness of sin. He died over the penalty of your sin, and the Spirit of God gives you power over that sin. Not just of the penalty, but power over it. Yeah, again, you've got to throw that lie away that says, I sin every day. If I sin every day, then what are we doing with the gospel? I sin every day. God's Spirit is not inside of us so we can keep sinning every day. Right? He's freeing us from the, the penalty of sin and the power over sin. Jesus, listen to this. Again, as we think about what this means for us and what it means tonight, we can't keep thinking we're disqualified if there's sin in our life. We should absolutely acknowledge it, confess it, turn from it, and turn to the Lord each time it is brought to heart and mind. But I would say to you tonight, Jesus offers the same forgiveness to you that he offers to Peter. The same forgiveness that he would give to Peter is the same forgiveness that he would give to you and me. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, it's my prayer tonight, God, that if any here are dealing with issues of sin in their life, Father, that they would understand the freedom that they will have as they walk in your Spirit. Lord, I pray for those who are Struggling, God, that they would know who you are. Or whatever God that they have in their mind, if it does not line up with who you are in the Scripture, that they would abandon themselves and their thoughts and go with what you say in your word and allow you to speak for yourself. Lord, I pray that we would have a, a distrust in our feelings. I pray, Lord, that we would, in our heart, desire to go your way, to not indulge ourselves, but, Lord, to seek to swim a distance to wherever you are with our life. I thank you, O oh God, for your word and the reminders of forgiveness. Lord, that it is available for us, future, present, and past, knowing that you are omniscient, you are all-knowing, and knowing exactly where we've been, 
where we are right now and where we are to go. And Lord, with my whole heart, I pray, Father, if there be any tonight that need to turn from themselves and turn to you to stop betting on their own good works and, Lord, the roller coaster that is their life, Father, I pray that they would totally trust in you for the forgiveness of their sins. And, Lord, would begin to live by the power of your Holy Spirit, trusting you and trying according to the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight, and I hope that you all have a great evening. We'll see you all back on Sunday morning.